Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Answering the Call, offering a glimpse into the spiritual journeys of local priests, deacons, and religious. And now, Answering the Call with Elizabeth Ficacelli. Hello and thank you for joining us on Answering the Call here on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820, streaming live also on stgabrielradio.com. I'm your host for the show, Elizabeth Ficacelli. And, you know, one of the most frequent questions that people ask about the subject of vocations is just how do we recognize God's call? You know, and I think for a a few select individuals, it it might come in the form of thunderbolts and lightning. But for most people, it seems to be more subtle than that. My guest today describes his calling to the priesthood as a gentle nudge that never seemed to go away. And he's going to be talking about that more with us in this interview. His name is Father Jeff Rimmelspa. He is the pastor of St. Margaret of Cortona Parish in Columbus and a priest of nearly 30 years. Welcome to Answering the Call, Father Rimmelspa. Thank you. Good to be here. So tell us where you hail from, first of all, Father. I grew up in Logan, Ohio, southeastern Ohio. Um, My parents lived there, my mother her whole life, and my dad for the last 60-some years still in the same house. So uh, that's been my home. And you have a lot of longevity in your family. Yes, overall. uh, My dad is 98. Uh, My grandmother lived to be 94. Grandfather lived to be 91. Uh, My uncle, who also was a priest of the Diocese of Columbus, Father Ed Kessler, lived to be 91 also. So you had a lot of longevity down there, Logan. And this was a Catholic family that you grew up. Uh Talk a little bit about your Catholic family. Well, uh, from both sides, I was raised Catholic. Uh, I enjoyed being Catholic. I never saw the need to uh, venture away from it per se, even though I was involved with some other faiths along with being Catholic as far as my friends being not Catholic. But uh, Catholicism was always a part of our family and even family functions. Now, you were an only child. Correct, I am. And and kind of came into the scene a little bit later in life for your parents, so which was unusual. Talk I about did. that a little bit. Uh, my dad was 40 when I was born. My mother was three months shy of being 40 when I was born. Uh, so when I am an only child, uh, of course, that's what I'm used to. That's uh, very normal for me. But uh, being an only child and being a priest is somewhat unusual uh, because the... Uh, uh, topic of grandchildren doesn't come into play. <laughs> I would imagine. And so did these um, parents, for for your a Catholic expression, take you to Mass regularly? Were there devotions at home? How Catholic was this upbringing you had? Well, we definitely went to Mass every Sunday. There was no discussion from my dad, my mother, or I. We just did it, and that's what we, you know, we enjoyed doing it. Uh, my grandmother, be my mother's mother, she lived about three blocks away from us growing up. She was very Catholic. Uh, she had her prayers that she prayed every day. And whenever we would visit, uh, she was very, very lively, very full of energy. Again, she lived to be 94. But there's two things she liked to do. She liked to pray and she liked to play. <laughs> she liked to pray the rosary. And we played cards, about every kind of cards you could play. We That's played fine. dominoes. Um, whenever you went there, you knew you were going to pray and play. You know, you had mentioned to me um, earlier in the week that your grandmother, you would say, had had a big influence on your vocation. 
if I had a dollar for every guest who talked about a, a grandmother in their life that was key in their path to, to God, I, I'd be a wealthy woman. So, you know, t- what was it specifically about her that really had a positive influence on you? Well, her love for life, and again, her love for God. Um, she had them both very clear. She made no bones about them. As I said, whenever you went to her house, you know you were going to do those two things. So it was just something that was an attitude that I admired and would like to emulate um, was that attraction. So someone who was living their faith, someone who was not just talking about their faith. living it fun, not living it as as a dire thing you better do or else, Right. but living it because she enjoyed the faith. Yeah, so that joy was there and, and radiant. So in Logan, would would you have been part of St. John's then? St. John's, mm-hmm. Did they have a parochial school? They or? did. Uh, when I went, the school was first through the sixth grade. It had been first to eighth, but the top two grades were discontinued right before I got there. So, yes, first through sixth. Okay. Now, you mentioned this, that you had friends uh, from other faiths, because Logan wasn't particularly a, a big Catholic area. Correct. You know? So talk about that experience of having friends of different faiths, being kind of the maybe token Catholic or or one of the few Catholics, and and what benefit that was or what challenge that was to you growing up. Well, as you say, I uh, had pretty much all non-Catholic friends. I really didn't have any close Catholic friends, so I was always in a bit of a minority. Uh, But as I said, I was very comfortable with the Catholic faith. I did have to check out a lot of things that people would ask me. I remember asking my uncle, who was a priest, many questions, but um, I didn't feel they were trying to convert me, and I wasn't trying to convert them, but we sort of learned about each other's religion and faith. Uh, as I think I said, I was a member of the Methodist youth group. I used to do a lot with the Methodists. I uh, had good friend who was a Baptist. I've been to Baptist services. I had a friend who was Jewish. So it was all rather normal to experience different faith cultures, but always with the understanding that I still went to Mass every Sunday in the Catholic faith, in addition to anything else that I did like that. Hmm, that's interesting. So really, it, it kind of put you in a position where you had to not necessarily defend your faith, well, maybe at times defend your faith, but but to understand your faith for yourself right. and to be confident in that. And I think that's such a an unusual experience for people, especially so young in life, but one I think that's important. Yes. Now, again, as I said, I had to check out a lot of things, and it took a while to sometimes digest some of what was told me, but I think the Catholic faith is very rational. If you get the whole picture, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I totally agree. Now, this idea of priesthood, this started pretty young for you. The idea did. I can remember in second grade uh, thinking very strongly about priesthood, not as the only option, but as a very strong option at that time. Can you remember why that was there or how you knew it was there? Mm -hmm. Uh, That is back a little ways. (laughs) As I recall, again, my uncle that was a priest, he and I were very close. I would go and stay with him for days at a time, and that was nothing unusual. And again, he also loved the faith, but he also loved life. He had a lot of of, um, hobbies, like um, fishing, which I enjoy a great deal. We went fishing a lot together. 
the outdoors, hiking, everything like that. And uh, so I liked the way he lived his life, but I also specifically liked what he did and how he shared that with me. So that was, a, you know, a good, attractive male role model in your life, a good mm-hmm. priest model for you. So that kind of makes sense. So you had this kind of thought about priesthood growing up. By the time you get to high school, you have another interest that begins to surface. Right. I've always enjoyed, still do enjoy science. And the idea that sort of narrowed it down to uh, being a pharmacist, uh, that idea had appealed to me for quite a while. And in high school, I did especially like uh, physics and chemistry. So I thought, well, that would be a good way to put that into practice. And it seems to me it was a very logical path. You have this interest in pharmacy. You still have an interest in someone in the priesthood. So you explored both. Talk about that. I did. Um, I remember as a senior in high school, uh, before there were what's now called live-in weekends at the Josephinum, I remember my uncle took me up to the Josephinum for a day, and we looked around. And again, I had never been there. I'd seen it from a distance, never had been inside. So he showed me uh, what he could, so sort of had that experience. And then a classmate of mine, I remember uh, very well, he was interested in pharmacy. Both of us were interested in Ohio State. So we uh, both went to a live-in, whatever you would call it, experience at Ohio State in the College of Pharmacy. Uh, He went on to be a pharmacist, and a matter of fact, went on to get his um, teaching degree in pharmacy. So he ended up teaching pharmacy at Ohio State. So you find, you know, you're exploring both of these. They both look kind of interesting. You apply to both of these. Right. You get accepted by both of these. You know, like God wasn't making it easy. Sometimes, you know, you jiggle the doorknobs and the one that opens is the one we're supposed (laughs) to walk through. But you're getting a yes in both of these. So what was the next step? How did you then finally make a discernment? Well, I remember the summer after my uh, senior year, once I graduated from high school, as you say, trying to make that decision. And... um, I thought both were good options. I remember thinking, well, I've thought about priesthood a lot longer than I've thought about the possibility of being a pharmacist, so I would try the path to priesthood first and see how that went. Okay, and that sounds to me like a rational thing. (laughs) Try it. So you go to the Josephinum for four years. So talk about those four years. Um, Did you find affirmation there? Did you find challenge there? How would you sum up your four years' experience at the Josephinum? Well, probably some of both. Uh, Affirmation in the sense that there were, of course, other uh, young men there uh, discerning the same way I was trying to discern whether God was calling me to the priesthood or not. So that having other, first of all, having other Catholics around was different. (laughs) Uh, Secondly, having other Catholics who were thinking about priesthood and knowing that, yes, there are other people who are experiencing the same questions that I am. Mm -hmm. So that was affirming. As far as the challenges go, um, again, all of my friends from high school went to secular colleges, and I was in touch with a lot of them. And, of course, uh, a lot of what they did was still appealing the college experience, uh, like at Ohio State or uh, Capitol, I remember. So, uh, you know, there was sort of that challenge of separation from that a bit then, too. Many of the priests I've had on the show talk about an obstacle, a crossroads of some sort as they go through the seminary process. Now, for you, this was the first four years of college, but um, talk about your senior year. Okay. Well, again, senior year of college was much like the senior year of high school where 
decisions needed to be made. Um, I can remember Holy Week of my senior year, uh, just a lot of questions coming to the front of, you know, is this really what God's calling me to do with the rest of my life, or should I explore a few other things first? Uh, So I remember Holy Week was a very challenging time in my senior year in college at the Josephine. So you then would discern that you needed to take some time off. So talk about what happened after that. Okay. As I said, there were questions, and I felt the questions were of such, well, magnitude, if you'd say that, that I did need to drop out for a while. So I did drop out of the program. Um, During that time that I dropped out, uh, again, was still discerning, but also, of course, looking for a job, uh, where I'm going to live, those kind of questions. So um, I did eventually get a job at Nationwide Insurance. Uh, My dad had been a Nationwide Insurance agent for 34 years, and I grew up with Nationwide. I had worked with him some as best I could during high school, and I sort of knew some of the ins and outs of insurance. So I got a job downtown at the home office of Nationwide as a group health insurance claim examiner. Uh, a little bit out of my field, but still in that medical field. So uh, I did that. I uh, Another friend of mine from the Josephinum also dropped out, and he and I got a, an apartment together. So we lived together. He also started to work at Nationwide at that time. So you got a job. You made money. <laughs> girlfriend, the whole, the yes, whole route. Yes, got a girlfriend, definitely. And so life was progressing there, but still the nudge. Right. Um as you said at the beginning, I know I personally, I can't speak for other priests, but I personally have never experienced that lightning bolt experience of God saying, this is what you are going to do. But all through my years, it's what I would call that gentle, loving nudge that, Jeff, you need to think of this, or Jeff, if you thought of this might be how God's calling you. And as you say, when I was working at Nationwide, uh, the money was good. I was getting the hang of it with the job, had the opportunity of advancement, uh, had a serious girlfriend, and still that nudge started coming back again. So I remember at one point, uh, my girlfriend, of course, she knew that I had been in the seminary, but she thought that was sort of dumb. Behind you. <laughs> yes. And I remember the one time having the conversation with her about this nudge reappearing. Uh, Probably not the most popular topic of conversation you can have with a girlfriend. Mm -hmm. However, she was also Catholic and she knew that I had, you know, been in the seminary. So it wasn't totally foreign. And Mm -hmm. again, sort of that discernment of, first of all, what is God calling me to do? And secondly, what would I be truly happy with doing? And again, that became more and more evident that priesthood was back on the on the floor again. We're talking with Father Jeff Rimmelspa. He is the pastor at St. Margaret of Cortona Parish in Columbus, and he's our guest today on Answering the Call here on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio, AM820. So, Father, um, you know, when you had first diverted from the path uh, to priesthood, you never um, were totally alone or out on your own because you had formed a friendship uh, with the vocations director at the time. I think that's an important step for you. It was, Uh, Father Jerry Sluka was the vocation director when I was 
from my junior and senior year, Josephinum. And when I dropped out of the seminary, I had spoken with him about my reasons for dropping out. And he said, well, he said, let's stay in touch, see what happens. So we did. Uh, I made it a point to see him once a month. Uh, We had very good conversations. Uh, I felt I got to know him a lot better being outside the seminary program than I did when I was at the Josephinum because this was all sort of now my uh, uh, desire to talk with him. Mm -hmm. So I remember him asking me that question, saying, well, first of all, what do you feel God is calling you to do? And secondly, in what way do you feel you would be the happiest living out that call? And so those two questions, thought about those, prayed about those. Um, And again, those are sort of the questions that led me to coming back in with his help. And you would come back into Mount St. Mary's in Cincinnati yes. for your theology for four more years. When when you did that, was there a, fa- a feeling, Father, of, of coming home? Um, in other words, did you feel right away that, yes, this is where I belong, or was that a process also? Not right away, definitely no. Uh, once I had dropped out of the seminary, Uh, I remember what that feeling was like, and there was definitely hesitation going back in again, what if I drop out the second time? So definitely not right away. Uh, I felt Mount St. Mary's Seminary in Cincinnati was an excellent school, and again began to make new friends at a a little different stage of discernment and felt good about that. Probably the aspect that helped me the most feel that this was the right step, uh, that was the idea of the summer placements in different parishes. Mm -hmm. I think I was placed in four different parishes for summer internships. And that's where you can get your feet wet and begin to really see how you do with actual ministry in a parish. And all of those experiences for me were very reaffirming um, in in that direction. So by the time those four years were coming to a conclusion, especially, like you say, with those internships, then you knew this this is yes. where I belong. By the time those four years were coming to the conclusion, I did feel comfortable that this is what yeah. I felt God was calling me to. But again, it wasn't the thunderbolts, lightning, that no. big aha moment. It Never was kind of still that gentle nudge in that right direction exactly. that this, this shoe fits now. Yep. So as you look back um, on that path and with that two-year diversion in the middle – Um, What would you say was the greatest benefit of those two years to you? I did get a lot of practical experience. Again, going to the Josephinum for college right out of high school was fine, but it didn't, as I said before, it didn't give me that college experience. The two years that I was out did give me more of that uh, practical, you know, working for a living, commuting, nine to five type of experience to know what other people what most people experience in their life. So um, you were ordained then in 1985, uh, 29 years ago. And just kind of as a summary of of where you've been serving the the past three decades, you um, were started out as an associate at St. Mary's in Marion, St. Agatha's in Columbus, and St. Joan of Arc in Powell. And then um, you became pastor at St. Mary's in Bremen, back to St. Joan of Arc for 12 years. And and now you're at St. Margaret of Cortona since uh, 2009. So pastoring has really uh, been the the primary 
um, the rest of your priesthood. Some priests yes. are, are called into tribunal work, into um, chaplaincy, into teaching, but pastoring is really where God has seemed to lead you and where you really seem to flourish. Primarily. I did do a few other things, but yes, primarily definitely pastoring. What is it that you like so much about pastoring? Well, the people. Uh, <laughs> that day-to-day contact with people, uh, seeing how God is working through them, trying to help them discern what God is asking of them to do. Uh, and just, again, like my grandparents and my uncle, sort of that enjoying of the faith, enjoying of life. Mm-hmm. You know, you were ordained in uh, 1985, same year I was married. So, you know, I've I kind of been walking the same journey if okay. you in my vocation. And as I look back on that time span, we've had some pretty amazing popes, starting with John Paul II in, in that year. You know, he was in this pontificate. Um, how has that impacted? These popes have impacted your priesthood? Well, I think we've been so blessed as a church to have, as you say, the last three popes, uh, each of them different in their own way, each of them teaching the same doctrine, but emphasizing many different aspects of that doctrine. Uh, John Paul II with the idea of evangelizing and going to so many countries, making people feel welcome in the church. Uh, Pope Benedict, uh, with his theological background, his rather fatherly teaching ability, and now, of course, with Pope Francis, uh, his very pastoral style and calling the church to, again, remind us of the fundamental option for the poor and the uh, being there walking with the people as church. Mm -hmm. Yeah, all different, and yet all with the same mission, obviously. What would you say um, today is the greatest challenge you priests are facing in in the church, among the people, in your parishes? Well, I know a challenge that is definitely there is the uh, lessening of the number of people coming to Mass every Sunday. Uh, Definitely is decreasing. It's a very uh, sad experience for us as priests. Again, I enjoy being a priest. I enjoy the faith. I enjoy living it out. And to see that others either are not enjoying it or don't see it as that important is a very sad experience for me. I I know. There's definitely a disconnect happening because, you know, once upon a time, the Catholic culture was so much stronger. People raised in these Catholic ghettos, so to speak, you know, where everybody was Catholic. And it was just the thing to do was be Catholic and, and live out your Catholicism. But you know, we, we've fallen away from that, and then the secular world is very strong. So people don't have that. And I think we're, we're into the—they don't know what they don't know, and, and they right. can't appreciate it. Once they get the glimpse, that's when you see, you know, the love begin to, to grow in them and, and the desire for that. But that's a challenge for all of us is to, to represent Catholicism in a way that, that they can fall in love with. Right. And as I said, it's especially a challenge for us as priests— um, you know, as you say, to get across what's inside us to the people. Uh, I think so many people are what I would call adrift in our society. They go from one thing that excites them or they latch on to to something else and just keep going back and forth, and they sort of miss that anchor, that, uh, you know, that uh, foundation of the Catholic faith. You know, as we we think about where the church is heading in the future, you have a philosophy that it's not such a bad thing to look um, in in the, the look back as well and remember the priests and religious who have 
you know, contributed so much to where we are today. Right. And I guess that's a personal thing of my own. As I said, I've mentioned my grandmother, my uncle, who was a priest. I've had other religious in my family. And, you know, they've set the foundation for me to build upon. And so many times that goes unnoticed, which I think is unfortunate because the uh, that generation has a lot to teach us, even in our technologically advanced age today. Uh, you know, their faith, they're living out the faith, and they're doing it in a positive, loving way. I think they do have a lot still to teach, but I'm not so sure many people are open to hearing that. Yeah. So it's a good reminder for us to maybe call upon those holy men and women who've gone before us and say, help. <laughs> it's just like grandparents. You know, I think grandparents somewhat get short shifted, too, because they have a lot to teach as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, Father Rimmelsbaugh, what advice do you have for men today who might be considering the priesthood? Well, I would say three things. First and foremost is to pray every day. Um, just ask God what God wants you to do. Uh, secondly, talk about what options you feel are surfacing with some trusted person, whether it's a, a teacher, a guidance counselor, a deacon, a priest, whoever, talk with someone. Don't just keep it inside. And thirdly, you know, actively question what you feel is that strongest feeling. Uh, don't just say, well, this has to be it and sort of slide into it, but question it and see if, you know, this truly is God's will. And that's what I think I love about your story is that you, you model a couple of things for us. I think that's important. Well, first of all, I think you were very patient with God. You didn't get thunderbolts and lightning, but you were content to listen to the, that small, quiet voice and, and that a gentle nudge. Um, you questioned. You were always questioning. You're questioning, you know, other faiths. Um, and, and in that, probably questioning your own faith at some point. Um, you, you know, you, you asked questions, you explored directions, uh, patiently tested those things. And ultimately, God led you to where he always wanted you to be, and that was a priest. I think it's a great story. We are so delighted, Father Rimmelspaugh, that you were able to join us today with your story. Could you leave us with your blessing? Sure. Loving God, we come before you seeking your guidance in our lives. Let us know your presence. Uh, Let us know your love. And let us experience that gentle nudge in the way in which you ask us to live out our life. We make our prayer asking your blessing upon all of us in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you. God bless you, Father Jeff Rimmelspaugh. Thanks for joining us. I'm Elizabeth Ficicelli, host for Answering the Call on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio, AM820. Tune in on Tuesdays and Sundays at 1230 for another edition. In the meantime, have a wonderful week. God bless. Answering the Call is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio, AM820. Archives of Answering the Call with Elizabeth Ficacelli are available at stgabrielradio.com. Veni Sancti.